My name's Red, and I want to tell you about the Transformers. My curiosity is aroused. Decepticons, transform and rise up! Calling Autobots! Calling Autobots! This is a battle protocol! Robots with emotions. Robots who can die. Hey folks, and uh, welcome back to Fanholes. Uh, as you may know, we've been doing spin-off shows lately that'll focus on uh, rather specific interests of ours. And uh, uh, I guess you can consider this the inaugural episode of Transformers Tuesdays, in which we will focus on, shock, surprise, Transformers. The actual episode one of Transformers Tuesdays uh, will debut in a couple of months, but like we decided we wanted to cover the recent uh, IDW uh, comic event, Dark Cybertron, in a more timely manner. So like I've retconned this show as episode zero of Transformers Tuesdays. Uh, so when when the actual like episode you've ruined one, everything. You're starting over. <laughs> like why are you rebooting the Fanholes universe? It's all it's all terrible now. It's a, I was gonna say it's it's just shockwaves like time drive messing with things. So don't like <laughs> it, don't pay any mind to it. You know, it's like stuff is happening all simultaneously and whatnot. But the, for all the Doctor Who listeners, this is where I talk about timey wimey shenanigans, and this is one of them. So get used to it. <laughs> <laughs> you might like, yeah, you might hear me like reintroduce like the Transformer Tuesdays concept in a couple months when the like first episode airs, but you know. Like I said, don't don't pay it any mind, and uh, you know you should be used to by now. Fan holes pulling like weird timey wimey shenanigans on you. So yeah, but, yeah we are uh, a completely professional organization. Yes. Um. In in whatever case, uh, w- we will be discussing Dark Cybertron in its entirety on this show. So suffice to say, there will be spoilers up through all twelve parts. But uh, before I get into it, I should point out, as you might have guessed, that I am not alone here. Uh, everyone can shout out. Hey, what's up? This is Derek, Derek WC. I am a big Metro Necro Necro Titan. Hey, this is Justin. Hey, this is Tony, and I'm just back from a lovely vacation in the dead universe. <laughs> so what are you, like, dying now, Tony, now that you're back in the regular universe? Uh, uh, no, I, I came through Brainstorm's chest, and he, he, you know, fixed me right up. Okay, good. Awesome. Everything is in readiness. I'll just start off by giving some, like, general background on Dark Cybertron. Um, obviously it's your usual, like, giant 12-part comic book crossover, uh, between the two, like, flagship Transformers titles at this time, uh, More Than Meets the Eye and Robots in Disguise. Um, it's all, the 12 parts were bookended by, uh, Dark Cybertron number one and number two, and in between that were just alternating issues of, uh, R.I.D. and More Than Meets the Eye. This entire event is kind of like a conclusion to, like, yet another era of IDW Transformers comics, and it's the launching point for the next era, and uh, I, I think a major pull of this, uh, like, uh, event was, like, for, for especially for readers who have followed the two main books for the last, like, two years, that, like, the two casts of the books are finally going to reunite after, like, two years apart, so I think that was, like, a main pull, like, going into this. 
It's like um, X Factor meeting the X Men after all those years. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Um, it's co-written by the writers of those two books, uh, John Barber and James Roberts. Uh, John Barber also serves as the overall editor on the Transformers books. And uh, this this crossover is penciled by a heck of a lot of people, uh, many of whom are well-known uh, TF artists, and uh, there are some newcomers. Um, I, I guess I'll list everyone who drew bits of this, because I don't usually, like, I'm not really good at making an effort to do this, but I actually wrote all their names down, so I might as well, like, you know, show that I made the effort. But uh, the pencils on this were done by... Uh, Andrew Griffith, Alex Milne, uh, Attilio Rojo, uh, Livio Romandelli, James Reyes, uh, Brendan Cahill, Nick Roche, and Robert Gill. They mostly they did all like various parts of this crossover. Um, also, a big deal was made of like uh, Phil Jimenez's uh, like involvement with this project, but he only really did like layouts for like parts one and part twelve. So and and he did a bunch of incentive covers like featuring like most of the new toys that were like pushed in this crossover and you know some of those toys were pushed better than others but you know um I also wrote a list of the like these toys that were hawked in this story cuz it's pretty impressive um all of them are uh uh from the generations toy line and uh pretty much all of them are have come out within the last year or they will be coming out soon um, <laughs> soon to never be at a Walmart near you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. If you can find them, they're coming out soon. Yeah, the big obvious one is Metroplex. Um, but we've also got a uh, Goldfire Bumblebee, Armada Starscream, Dreadwing, Waspinator, Scoop, Skywarp, Rattrap, uh, Tankor, Crosscut, Jetfire, Geaxis, uh, the Minicon Assault Team, which was repurposed as part of Shockwave's uh, cannon fodder army of Ammonites. Um, and then you've got people like uh, Megatron, World, Nightbeat, and RC, who are all supposed to be getting new toys, but they don't necessarily appear as those new toys in this crossover. You, so. you, forget, you forgot one person. Who's that? You forgot the almighty Windblade. <laughs> oh, yeah, well, I was about to mention. I was getting to it, Tony! I'm sorry, don't hit me with the, like, I don't know. Sharp stick again. <laughs> hit you with the ugly stick, because that's what she got hit with. No, but... <laughs> yeah, ouch, ooh, no, no, I'm sorry. I, I'm pretty harsh, but... Uh, yeah, the the super special, awesome new character that is taking the internet by storm, Windblade. And I, I'm sure... I guess we'll talk a little bit about her more later, but, uh, you know, she, she was created by the fans, basically, and, like, the fans got to vote on elements of her design. And yeah, whatever. We'll 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 probably cover her later. For right now, I before I go to you guys, I just want to give a like brief like sort of breakdown of the plot. Just so, just because, uh, like I said, I think going issue by issue will probably be too long. So I'll, I'll just like create a baseline, you know, for the for any listeners who might not be familiar with this story, and then you know, uh, or, or IDW Transformers in particular, and then we'll just go from there. Basically, Dark Cybertron is the wrap-up of several long-running plot lines from IDW's Transformers comics. Uh, the first and foremost of these plot lines is that of Shockwave. Um, his plans have like pretty much stretched all the way back from his like first appearance in this continuity in Spotlight Shockwave by Simon Furman. Like his the various like Energon ores he's seeded on different planets all play like a vital role in this giant master plan he's been like concocting for, like, millions of years and whatnot. 
Um, the second plot line is dealing with the dead universe and the crew of the first arc who eventually who vanished into it and then returned. Uh, Nova Prime, Geaxis, Galvatron, they all have major roles in this story. And other characters like uh, Cyclonus, Nightbeat, Hardhead, and Cup like, have all had links to the dead universe at one point or another, and they're, they are all heavily featured, too. Does the Transformers fandom have like a general naming convention for those ancient Cybertronian guys? I don't know. I think we just kind of call them either the the crew, the first arcs crew, or oh, uh, the, the crew of the first arc. Yeah, because I yeah. was when when I was you know every time I've seen them, whether it's in this crossover or the previous thing, I get a very like Minutemen vibe from them. It's like oh, these are the the stupid assholes from the past or whatever that <laughs> fuck shit up. You know. Okay, like, well that can be the new name for the fans. Right, like, right. Stupid Nova Prime and the stupid assholes from the past. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's a good band name. No, but uh and then like I'd say like the third major plot point to be addressed in this story is that of uh, Metroplex and the Metro Titans. So uh all the there's all these another, another good band name. <laughs> yeah, Metroplex and the Metro Titans, yeah. Um so I I'd say those are the three main plot lines and then there's a whole like ass load of smaller like subplots that like collide and mash together and mix in with all these and you know uh this this 12 part uh series like makes an effort to like address a lot of stuff and you know some things are addressed better than others but you know we'll we'll get into that and so in whatever case i i guess i'll just start with the most general question of all and ask you guys uh from from like a storyline perspective like what are your general thoughts like on the plot of dark cybertron and like did it like hang together for you were you confused or did it did it feel like you got a full solid story like in the end and uh i guess i'll go with uh Derek you go first i, I don't know if this is faint praise or whatever but i i did harken back to those 90s like 15 chapter crossovers like I, I did think of things like Maximum Carnage and Galactic Storm and you know uh, what is it Blood and Thunder you know like all that you know Executioner Song all that kind of stuff because it was it felt so massive to me um, I did find myself rereading things a lot just because there are a lot of characters to keep track of so I was you know kind of going back and going okay whose narration is this oh it's Orion Pax's narration like he's the guy you know, babbling like Rorschach, you know, going like, you know, you know, damn this place and everyone in it or whatever, you know. Um, but, you know, as far as like, I think once I, you know, because I think I probably missed a couple issues. Like, I don't think I read like the preludes and stuff. So when when folks were showing up, I'm like, oh, OK, it's Armada Starscream. And, you know, I don't know, it's it's like Bumblebee is like Goldbug or Goldfire or whatever. he You know, I was like some of those things. I'm like, oh, he must have you know, got the upgrade when I wasn't paying attention to whatever comic it was or just didn't read that issue. But, I mean, for the most part, like, I mean, if, if you'd been following the IDW comics, I think it, it, at some point it's fairly easy to pick up if, if you left off somewhere. But I think 
if it was supposed to be some kind of like fresh start, I, I don't, th- this was more like kind of what you were describing in the synopsis. This was a send off to an era of transformers. So it kind of be like, there's a lot of hype around the season finale of a TV show, but you don't necessarily like go, Oh, I'm going to start with like the season, you know, the series finale of mad men. It's like, you, you'd probably want to watch like the first four seasons, you know, like, so like my, uh, you know, basic answer to the question is like, it read okay if you'd been reading this the whole time, but I don't think anybody's just going to pick this up out of the blue and be like, oh, I can totally follow this. Yeah, this was not really a jumping on point. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, Tony, Tony, what do you think, Tony? I think um, it started really slow. Really slow. Um, There's more than a few issues where it was just like, all right, this this is this is the big deal. Like, come on, come, come on, come on, yeah. But, um, like, a little bit before the middle of it, um, it really started picking up really well. Um, the, the, like you said, everything that was from the past started weaving together. And, you know, I, I think, you know, like what Derek said, this was kind of like not to erase everything that happened before. It was to say, okay, these storylines are done. All this stuff from the past, we have a conclusion for them. If you like more than me, the eye, they're still going to look for the Knights of Cybertron. If you like Rid, they're still going to be trying to figure out who's in charge of uh, Cybertron, uh, you know, Cybertron, and like, is Starscream still going to be the leader? You know, like, tune in next week. So I think like they were just getting rid of like, you know, Shockwave's master plan. They were getting rid of the Dead Universe guys. Um, you know, I think that was the whole idea, and they did it very well. I think I, it, I, I was just going to say it really seemed like a, a, a like point going into this was that they wanted to put like put a fork in the dead universe like for good because like you know the dead universe plot was the end of Furman's like run the dead universe was the end of Costa's run and like it seems like okay we're 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 done with this now like you know yeah it was, couple- it was getting to like unicron levels where it's like okay we need to be done with this for you know a while <laughs> yeah so yeah, I mean, there's obviously some like leftovers and stuff, but you know, Nova Prime was pretty much the the figurehead for the Dead Universe. So like with him, like he 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 he's pretty convincingly seen off, like as as convincingly as a Transformer can be seen off in this story. So yeah, yeah. yeah. If, he's gone, like if he's gone, if he's gone forever, he he had a good send off. If he comes back, there's some way they can do it. Yeah, he certainly he certainly had his face ripped off movie style, like figurative, <laughs> figuratively at any rate. Yeah, I, I guess like in in like a summation of like if I enjoyed it, yeah, and it was it was really fun, especially near the end, like I said, and like you and Derek said, you know, this was not something you could pick up and be like, you know, oh, I read Transformers in the eighties, I'm sure I know everything that's going on. You'd just be like, what the fuck am I reading? But yeah. if you have followed IDW and you at least have a basic working knowledge of like what's gone in the past, um, I think it was. I, th- I thought it was really rewarding, and they they really kind of came through in the clinch. Like like I said near the end, they really like pulled their shit all together and like delivered a really good story. Yeah. What about you, Justin? I liked it. Um, I guess I would be like that guy who only has a basic working knowledge of like previous Transformer comics in IDW because I basically started reading with these new number ones, you know, Robert's in Disguise and More Than Meets the Eye number one, and then I went back and read some of the other stuff like Planet of the Drifts or 
or whatever <laughs> I read for the show and all those spotlights and stuff. And then I read a few other things on my own. So like I, I had the basic working knowledge. But I thought it was a really good culmination of a, events spanning back then. You know, like you mentioned the dark universe and all that stuff. But like I thought the plot was pretty easy to figure out. I mean, I mean. Shockwave being Shockwave, you know he has like you know he's like you got a plan within a plan. And he's he's like he's working with these guys, but he's gonna you know do his own thing and all that stuff. But like yeah, it was a good. I, I liked the seeding of ideas throughout the first like twenty four, twenty five issues of both books because you'd see like little little pieces here and there. Like you know it's like oh we've got like, in the spotlight we see you know the Titan. And it vanishes. You're like, well, where did that go? Like, what? What's with all these titans? And what's with all the ores? And you know, like, what's Orion Pax like doing, just bopping around the galaxy randomly? It seems. Well, like, what's you know, it's like, well, let's do all part of a bigger plan. That's what. That's what I liked about it. And you know, like, I do think it. This event started off rather slow. Like the first three or four issues are pretty slow, but I think a lot of that is just. We'll probably talk about this later, but it's like. What frustrated me the most was like Starscream. He was just very yeah. He was kind indecisive. of mopey. Yeah, yeah. It's like yeah. He's in charge now, and then he's like, I don't know what to do. I'm in over my head again. Yeah. yeah he he finally gets what he wants. He's in charge of Cybertron. You know, he he had to kill Metalhawk, who was basically his only real friend. I guess he ever had. He kills him to get into power, and then it's like. You know, the Necro Titan shows up, and he spends the next like several issues just kind of standing around and reacting to things or being told, being yelled at to you know like go do something. <laughs> yeah, like, well, quite it seems frustrating. This seems to be a best frenemy. <laughs> I, I was going to say that seems to be a running theme though, because it, it seems like whatever itis Starscream was inflicted with, you know, uh, the the the. Oh yeah, the, per- the perils yeah. of leadership, itis, or whatever you want to call it, the burden, you know, the the cup, the the giri, you know, the burden hardest to bear, <laughs> or whatever it is, you know, like that that burden. It seems like Bumblebee, who I can't fucking stand Bumblebee in this entire continuity. Like <laughs> I hate him so much. Um, but it seems like they were both afflicted with that same itis, where where you know they they were in charge and and they they had this goal and they attained the goal but once they got it they didn't really do anything with it and i i don't know if that's just a characteristic of you know people's you know frustration or dissatisfaction with you know uh, you know modern day politics or whatever but it just seems like those guys you know like you're saying they got what they wanted but then when they're actually in the driver's seat it's like oh do i make a left turn do i make a right turn oh i forgot to turn on the turn signal oh shit i'm backing up oh oh, oh i didn't mean to hit that garbage can oh wait a minute let me get it in first let me oh fuck it's 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 uh it's it's screeching i'm 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 jamming the gears oh no you know and you're just kind of like well, wait, I thought, you know, if, if you did all this stuff and you actually, you know, managed to, you know, jimmy the car with a, a, a you know, coat Slip. hanger <laughs> and you and you and you hot wired the car and it's revving, you'd think like you'd be like, you know, Paul Walker or, uh, you know, the buster, you know, you think you'd have been <laughs> diesel behind the wheel, but then they're not. And then you're kind of you're kind of disappointed when they don't do some crazy, awesome driving stunts or whatever in, in terms of leadership. 
did, did that make you more happy with like Rodimus? Like he's like very cocky and he makes a lot of bad decisions, but he does not let shit get him down. He's just like, dude, I'm doing this, man. Fuck it. I'm I'm in charge of this ship. You know, I'm gonna do what I want. Magnus, shut your pie hole. This is my ship. I'm gonna do what I want. You know, it's like he gets down, but he never gets to that like wishy washy thing. He makes decisions and he and he goes for them. I know you're like a big Rodimus fan. Is that one of the things you liked about Rodimus? Is that like while he was cocky and he was kind of still reckless, he was still in charge and he made decisions and he stuck by them. And like if he fucked up, he would just be like, okay, I fucked up, but I want to fix it. You know? Yeah, I mean, I mean that's something I like. I mean, somebody that that at least you know, I, I I guess you know you could argue that that he's got moments in this series where he uh, he tries to take responsibility and he still gets shit for it, but. You know, I, I guess maybe I just have more favoritism for the character, but I mean, I like Starscream. I don't dislike Starscream, but I agree with what you guys are saying that there's there's elements of kind of hand wringing and you know Hamlet type you know discourse where he's not really he, he'd rather sit there and pontificate about things than than actually do some stuff or or the stuff he does do seems to be very like I. I don't know. I don't. I don't really get the relationship between Starscream and Rat Trap. Like it's it's an odd little pairing of kind of miscreants or something. I don't know. Yeah, it's kind of I weird think, to me. I think the idea is that Rat Trap is sneaky like he is, and like Starscream is more used to that. Because uh, there, there was a line in a couple issues, uh, like one or two issues before Dark Cybertron really started. It might have been the issue right before it. And like uh, Starscream was talking about Scoop, and he's like. I don't trust noble people because they always act impulsively to do the right thing. People who lie, I always know what they're going to do. You know? Yeah, well, he says he's got a good line where he's like, altruism is, like, too unpredictable. Like, you know, yeah, like, I don't trust, like, altruistic people. But, and but I don't, you, well, oh, I, you, you just think, though, that would give Starscream an, uh, a, a character arc within this, though, at least. Because, I, I mean, I don't know if you've ever had this in a real-world experience, but if if the... If the attempt is to equate Rat Trap, if Rat Trap is the new Starscream, and Starscream is Megatron, and he does say that at some point, you know, he does kind of make those comparisons, then I think for Starscream to actually grow as a character, it might behoove him to actually kind of notice his failings within Rat Trap for once, and finally it dawn on him how he is perceived and how he acts and what's maybe not working about that approach because i think i think sometimes you have those elements where you just realize you know a lot of times you, you know you'd be the guy who who loves this beautiful girl who's out of your reach and you don't get it and you feel bad about it but until you're the guy who some you know probably nice girl really likes you but you're not into her you don't understand it from the other perspective and you go oh shit that girl that's trying way too hard like that was me with this other beautiful girl, you know, and 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 you actually get a new sort of understanding and appreciation for your situation. And to me, I was just like, I don't know. It, it just seemed like you know, Starscream never actually had any of those moments. Well, I don't know if he's waiting to pull the trigger on it or what, but I'm not taking back what I said about Starscream. He was definitely very wishy-washy. Like, what do I do? <laughs> Wringing his hands and stuff well, in this. Like, but there were like, two times. Like one time when. The, like near the end when they all go to like uh, Shockwave's area, he actually is like 
feeling a little bad because Scoop said, I'm going to stay here and fight. You need to go with them. And he's like, Scoop stayed there, you know, and he hates my ass, and he stayed there, you know. And then there's also the fact that it has nothing to do with Dark Cybertron, but it'll pick up, I'm sure, after this. He still got Wheeljack in a fucking CR chamber, so. Yeah, he, I was going to say. Well, like Justin said, it, for the first, like, half of that, there was, like, it seems like a running joke where it's like, okay, like, Starscream's plotline progresses, like, and, and the way it progresses is, who's going to yell at Starscream this issue? And it's like, it's like, Scoop yells at him, like, Rat Trap yells at him, like, Metal Hawk comes back from the dead and yells at him, you know? It's like, <laughs> who's going to get back from the dead just to yell at you, you asshole? Yeah, exactly. And, and then, like, freaking, like, Tankor yells at him and whatnot, and you're like, and, like, Starscream's like, oh, come on, you're not even in this continuity. Like, I don't know, I think that would have been funny, but... Uh, Tankor, smash yeah. Starscream! <laughs> Tankor, have no confidence in Starscream's like, leadership. <laughs> like, Tankor has prepared, like, 30-page, like, complaint to be filed. Like, Tankor, have dissertation! <laughs> Look at Ratchet just comes in and like, I will be Chancellor. <laughs> and our <laughs> suffering on Cybertron will be ended. <laughs> He's the emperor. Fuck. No, but um, yeah. No, I just, I just, I, I, I think Starscream. Like I said, I don't know if they're waiting to pull a trigger on him or what, but it, all, all of us are in agreement. He just, he just seemed very useless throughout much of this. Uh, he, had, he had a couple of moments when he was fighting Jaxus. That was nice, but. By and large, it was just like, you know, he just kept being called, what was it, the the one who makes the stars scream, and just, you know, being told he's a pretty much horrible person. <laughs> yeah. I guess, like, yeah, I was kind of like, I, well, I guess, like, Starscream's gotten dumped on a lot in IDW, so, like, yeah, I was kind of hoping he'd get some kind of badass moment, or at least, like, I thought when, like, that first, like, R.I.D. major plot, like, wrapped up and he, like, like killed Metalhawk, like, I was like, oh, finally, it's, like, back to, like, like Starscream, like, is doing what he does best, and, you know, he's, like, taking advantages and whatnot. And, you know, like, I thought that, like, not necessarily a badass moment, but certainly, like, a Starscream moment where I was like, oh, finally, like, he's not, like, crying and moping around anymore, but, like, yeah, I, yeah. Was, I was hoping he'd get more of that, but it didn't happen, really. Yeah, he has these little moments, but they just don't go anywhere. Yeah. Oh, well. Well, in whatever case, um, I guess, yeah, for my part, like... I liked it on the whole. I think I liked the moments better than, like, the overall story. Like, I, there were tons of, like, good character moments and, like, little, like, you know, asides and stuff. And, like, I think that that's what I'll probably take away from this story. Like, what do you call... Uh, and, and like I mentioned before, um, like, the, the reunification of the casts was great. Like, you get to see, like, you know, Prowl and Chrome Dome finally, like, like have it out and, you know... Just, like, a bunch of people who hadn't seen each other in a while, like, talk to each other. So that was really nice. I like that little one little, like, I think it was just maybe three or four panels with uh, Whirl and RC fighting people. Yeah, that, that was kind of cool, too. Yeah, just, yeah. just it was just nice to see characters you hadn't seen interacting in a while, like, talking to each other. So I, I, yeah, I, I, think, think, I think one of my favorite moments where the Lost Light crew finally meets up with um, with Optimus, or I guess Orion Pax's crew... I like that moment. It actually made me literally laugh out loud where they're like, uh, you know, man, 
they let some real weirdos on, you know, Pax's ship, and then that's what hard, you know, Hardhead is like, man, they let some real weirdos on board the Lost Light, and then Swerve, <laughs> Swerve immediately like, man, they let some real weirdos on on Pax's ship, and I was just <laughs> yeah. like, that's totally typical, and made me laugh. So yeah, yeah, there's a lot of good little lines. Like I, I, one of my favorites is like the Lost Light crew is on Cybertron, and they like they meet, you know, meet up with Bumblebee and stuff, and Bumblebee's like, wait a minute, you're alive, and they're like, yeah, we're alive, and he's like. You you didn't call and they're like yeah we did Starscream answered oh, yeah and Bumblebee's like oh that yeah, <laughs> yeah. oh I'm a complete fuck up and Derek exactly. hates me yeah <laughs> and, well yeah I liked a lot of like the character interaction like even like it like I I didn't like really like get a like I didn't really like I don't care for Bumblebee either but I did like his interaction with Megatron and like obviously like that was a catalyst to like the end and Megatron's like face turn you know but like. Uh, like, I, I think their, like, back and forth was pretty funny, especially, like, when Megatron was, like, split in two, and, like, uh, Bumblebee was, like, dragging his upper half around. I thought that was pretty funny. Yeah, I mean, it, there's there's moments in there that are good. It's just, you know, some of the stuff, it, to me, like, especially when, when Bumblebee was even more hand-ringy than Starscream, I think, in terms of, you know, way, way back in the beginning of this whole IDW thing where he was just making bad decisions left and right. And then you go into this crossover and Prowl's basically calling him on all that. And then it gets to the point where he's like, stop making fun of me, Prowl. <laughs> and he starts like choking him out and stuff. And I'm just like, at that point I was just like, I hate you. Like, I hate you. You're, you're dumb. Like I just was so mad. And so well, that's, that's the thing. Like with Starscream, he is a bad guy. You know, he, he's got some fucking issues. So when you see him fuck up, even though, like we said, we want him to do better, you're at least, okay, he's a bad guy, you know? Like, him getting shit is kind of normal. But Bumblebee, like, they keep trying to set him up to do something, and he doesn't do anything. And it's just like, why the fuck are you around, you know? I I personally, I don't blame, like, Roberts and Barber for how Bumblebee, or Barber specifically, for how Bumblebee's been, like, handled since, like, Rid started. I blame Mike Costa, because... Like, before Mike Costa's run, Bumblebee was, a like, not a main character. He was mostly in the background, but he, you got a sense he was, like, a competent guy and, like, you know, a, a sort of a, like, more of a, like, you know, hardcore, like, version of his cartoon self. All of a sudden, like, when Mike Costa's run started, all of a sudden it's like, you know... Uh, Bumblebee got democratically like elected leader of the Autobots because everyone likes him, and uh, like I'm like there was never any evidence of everyone like liking Bumblebee before that, and like you know, you uh, even, even had a name tag that said "Hi, I'm Bumblebee." <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, exactly, yeah, but no, like I think like Costa was just kind of drawing on his faint childhood memories of like, oh yeah, Bumblebee's like everyone's kid brother and whatnot, and he hadn't been like like, established or characterized like that in IDW until that point. So, like, when they made him leader, you know, they had to go with that premise, and then when Rid and, like, Emma, uh, More Than Meets the Eye started, like, like John Barber had to, like, go keep that premise and try to make the best of it, but, like, you know, he, I think he was pretty much, like, realizing it wasn't a good idea, so, like, he was trying to show why it was flawed, maybe. Well, since this we've like since Mike's revealed the uh, Megatron like face turn, I guess I'll go ahead and ask Derek this real quick. So, considering your your love of Bumblebee, did it just make you fucking orgasmic when he got blown the fuck up? 
Yeah, I was I was actually very happy. Like like that <laughs> that moment did not work on me the way it was intended to. Like I mean, I guess I guess it, it, in terms of understanding why Megatron had a, you know, turn from heel to face, like it, it it appropriately served its purpose. Like I understood that in the context of the story, but if you were intending to make me feel sorry for that stupid ass-headed fuck who can't <laughs> leave a fucking paper bag out of a fucking supermarket like no like it didn't work at all like i just i was like i'm glad you're dead like the autobots are so much better off without your namby pamby stupid fucking bullshit you know i was you know, you know i'm sorry really when megatron's like we have to say but we and even optimus prime was like no fuck them leave them <laughs> yeah the doctor was yeah, like leave, leave like, that. Just, the, just the facts megatron like we better get out of here <laughs> leave leave bumblebee behind like um, seriously let me, let me let me ask that like spinning out of that moment where bumblebee gets killed you know we've got megatron you know going to be an autobot from now on so let me ask justin who is a big fan of like this trope like what do you what do you think of that I thought that was a really great moment. Like one of the my favorite things about this whole event is the turning of Megatron. And I, I mean, this has been mentioned, but I, I liked that kind of newfound brief friendship that Megatron and Bumblebee had there. Like I, when they started, you know, having them spend a lot of time together, like I was like, well, this is gonna be. I, I, I didn't expect Bumblebee to die. Like we knew someone was gonna die in the penultimate issue, but like I didn't figure it would be Bumblebee. Um, but I was kind of wondering. I was like, well, we know Megatron's gonna become an Autobot because we saw the cover. So I was like, well, how are they gonna do this? And then when they, he started hanging out with Bumblebee, I was like, oh, this is it. Like somehow this little twerp is gonna like talk him into like changing. Like I don't, I don't get that. Like I don't see how that change is gonna work. But like this. This really discovered its purpose because, you know, you had like a, an issue or two of like Bumblebee and Megatron running around. And like at this point, Megatron is basically just a torso. Like he got ripped in half by Galvatron. So they're kind of like hanging around, you know, he, they have to basically rely on each other. Um, but it was a good moment. Like I I kind of wonder like how they're going to deal with this like post-Dark Cybertron. You know, it, it you know, like I am a fan of this trope and I would uh, – you know, this is like making Magneto a member of the X Men. It's like, well, he's did so many terrible things in the past. Like, how how do you make him a good guy now? Like, how do you deal with that? I mean, of course, it's like you know, you know, it's all new, all different concept, and then you know, marketing, and you know, we got this toy coming out, of course. But it's like, realistically, like, how do you make that work in the book? I mean, he's did so many horrible things to all these characters. You, you know, like when. Ratchet is repairing Megatron. He's like he basically he can't stand to be in the same room with the guy. He's like I'm just doing this because this is my job. You know you understand. It's like I, I would rather be anywhere else than to be right here fixing you right now. So it's like, well, how are the other characters going to deal with this? It's like you know at, at the end of the the Dark Cybertron finale, Prime and Megatron have this like this nice moment where Prime's like, so is this. Is this really for reals? Because, you know, Megatron has this big moment where he takes, like, the Autobot symbol, you know, like, that that's my avatar right now. And he holds it up, and he turns against Shockwave, and he's like, you know, this that's, that's his moment right there. But, like, Prime asks him, he's like, is this going to work? Like, is this is this another trick? Is this, you know, another Megatronism? Because, you know, like, another good moment is, like, when prime and rodimus and ultra magnus are in the bar drinking and talking before things get really yeah, that's, real that's a great scene and uh 
you know, they're kind of discussing things, and Optimus is like, you know, I thought about a lot of things while I was out flying around bebopping and scatting through space, and he's like, I thought a lot about Megatron, he's like, you know, this, this, like, that's not working, like, we need to find another approach, and they keep mentioning that, like, different characters say we need to find a new approach, and this is one of those new approaches, like, making Megatron a good guy, so, like, I'm really curious, like, how they're going to, like, you know, push this idea forward because, like, I, you know, I, I'm a fan of the trope, and like, I like Megatron, and I'm like, like, I want to see him have his like, like. Did you like that line where he was like, you know, uh, he was talking about his greatest victory, and he was going on about it and stuff, and then like his like last line is like, and then I realized like when I lost is when I made them fight. Yeah, I, I think it, after all this is going on, you know, like him coming out through the wilderness and being in stasis for so long and all this stuff like I think Megatron is finally realizing you know it's like he's like look Cybertron is a wasteland like there's you know the war is over but there's still so much infighting between different fractions whether it's Autobots, Decepticons, Nails like everybody wants something he's like this isn't working and I think he sees it's like you know probably he kind of realizes after millions of years like a lot of this is his fault you know he, he started out with good intentions you know they say the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Like that's Megatron. Like he had good intentions. Like because the primes were so corrupt and you know the Senate and everything, it's like he had good intentions. But like he lost his way and he realizes that now. So I think like that's that's a good starting point to like give him some pathos. Like make him like not make him like whiny and depressed. Like oh I did so many terrible things. Wah. I don't want him to be like Starscream standing around wringing his hands. Like oh wah. Like I just <laughs> want him to be like okay. Like I messed up and. Most of this is my fault, but, like, here's what I'm going to do to, like, try and set it straight. Yeah, he seems to be more of the mind of, like, I'm still a warrior. I'm still going to fight. But I realize that if I'm going to fight, I have to fight for something better than this and not fight my own people, you know? <laughs> yeah. I Speaking of that uh, scene where Ratchet's, like, repairing him, one of my favorite lines in the story is when Megatron's, like, like complimenting him, and he's like, you know, I always, you know, before all this started, like, I wanted to be a medic, and Ratchet's like, oh, really? What a coincidence. I wanted to be a genocidal despot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, nobody is very nice to him. Like, 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 Optimus is kind of okay, and Bumblebee is actually the nicest person to him, and, like, you know... Um, actually, both of your avatars, uh, either Mike or Justin, can answer this. Um, okay, some of it was not always good because there, there were a bunch of artists who worked on this. But depending on the artist, I really did enjoy some of the scenes where, like, you would see Megatron smile, or he would have, or yeah, like expression. with a more sympathetic like expression. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't like you know the ha ha ha, I'm going to destroy the world smile. It was like the like, I'm trying, you know. <laughs> Well, well, let's let's. I, oh, I, ahead, I was just gonna say, like, I, I don't know if this puts a cap on Megatron talk or not, but I enjoyed the exchange between him and Ratchet because one of the things he says, and it, it's kind of very revealing, is he says, "Yeah, he says he wanted to be a medic, but what he ultimately realizes is, even if even if he was allowed to be a medic, even if it wasn't so corrupt where he only had to do a specific, you know, serving class task." He realized he's like, I'm not like you, like I don't have your patience. And to me, that's very revealing because it's like, well, if you get impatient, you know, it's like, fuck these corrupt guys. I'm just going to fucking blow them all up. You know, like, I mean, there, there, you know, there is no patience in dealing with them. And in this sense, maybe he has another chance to go about that. Like we've been talking about just in a different way. Um, I was just going to say, like, yeah, I, I think that 
very nicely caps off our thoughts on Megatron. Um, uh, Tony mentioned the art. I, I just wanted to, like, I added this as a talking point. Um, I wanted to discuss, like, all the artists that, like, not maybe not one by one, but I had a couple points to bring up, like, that worked on this series. Like, there's at least, like, eight artists that worked on this series. And some, you know, some were very familiar and reliable, and some were newcomers, and, like, some, like... Uh, most of these comics I know are going to be packed with like new toys. So obviously like they had to like get this cross out over out like on time and fast and stuff. So it seems like a lot, especially in the middle of it, like they picked artists who had like more speed and like, you know, less like detail and stuff like that. So like, I mean, some of like, some of them like, uh, specifically, uh, the guy, uh, Tilio Rojo, who drew most of the scenes where Star screams, yeah, like bringing his hands, and most of the scenes between him and Scoop and Rat Trap and stuff. He drew, uh, like, I, I think his art was functional, but it wasn't very like, you know, flashy or like it was kind of simplistic. Very, very clean. The colors were very bland. Like it was just like it, it, it looked like a cartoon. Yeah, like pretty much like I feel like he was there like 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 he probably had a good like turnout like in in terms of pages like they were like you know you draw all these scenes like really fast like come come on like and I I don't mean that as an insult or anything cuz I think he was a very functional like storyteller and he managed some very like nice scenes especially when like the necro titan is like rampaging through Iacon and stuff but like yeah. I just it, it feels like his style was kind of more simplistic based on like b- b- uh uh, compared to everyone else's, he draws also, a horrible tanker. By the way, <laughs> it, it <laughs> yeah. also felt like it, his style was incumbent on an attempt at humor or an attempt at levity in a very serious situation. Like, didn't he do the the scene where Scar? Uh, sorry. I cannot talk. Didn't he do the scene where Starscream is sitting there and he's like, man, you know, I'm the leader. And man, now that I'm the leader, everything's got to go fucking wrong. Like everything's got to blow up in my face. What the fuck? And then all of a sudden the, the Necro Titan is right behind, like decimating yeah. everybody. And he's like, what, what something behind my back? Like there's something behind my back. Isn't there? And you're just kind of like, I guess that's funny, but at the same time, you're like, oh, all these people are being massacred, too, so I guess it's not so funny, but it's like one of those things where the style, I guess, seems to lend itself to to a certain aspect of, of levity in, in kind of these dire... You know, it just reminds me of the action movie with the one-liners. You know, it's like that little bit yeah. of lethal weapon. But, I mean, as far as the way... I, I guess the way the styles changed, because there were so many different artists with so many different styles, and, like, you're saying not to... Uh, not to point fingers or, or say that one style is, is not as good as another, but as far as having all those different styles, it became disjointed to me fairly easily. I think that's why it reminded me of those old, you know, Marvel crossovers where they had the 15 chapters. And But even then, like in that case, it usually was, you know, the monthly artist of whatever title did one part of it. But it felt yeah. like even in between the issues, you'd go from, you know, there'd be three pages of the artist you just talked about, and then there'd be three pages from the guy who has heavily painted artwork. I don't know what his name is, but... Oh, uh, Livio Ramondelli. Yes. So so Livio Ramondelli would do all this, like, heavily painted artwork, and it would not be, you know, as comical. It'd be a yeah. lot more serious, a lot more moody, and, you know, a lot of that stuff, they had him in the dark universe. So I yeah, could see, I could see where the editorial was thinking. You know, they're like, oh, we'll let him do 
the dark and moody stuff because he excels at that, and we'll let this kid here do some of the more lighter moments in the middle of all this chaos because he kind of excels at that. But, you know, when you're reading a story sometimes, it's like, okay, I got three pages of this, and then all of a sudden it's like, you know, it'd be like you're reading like one comic book with 20, 22 pages and it's like, okay, well, the first three pages are done by Pablo Picasso. And then the second three pages are done by Rembrandt. And then the third three pages, you know, are done by Rob you know, Liefeld. Basquat, <laughs> you know, and then, and then, and then, last, yeah, the last three pages are done by Rob Liefeld. And you're just like, wow, that's a, that's an experience, but I don't know that it's good or bad or what, but it's just, it's an experience, you know? Um, I got a question actually. Um, who's the really hyper detailed guy? Which one? Like uh, that, that's the one that drew the scene that Justin was talking about. I'm imagining the one. But Alex there. Mill, like the the regular artist for More Than Meets the Eye. No, or? no, no, no. He like he has kind of like a Nick Roche look. Like that's the guy we are used to on More Meets the Eye. I'm talking about the guy like he draws like the faces all like you know very. Oh, uh, James Reyes. He did most of like the Lost Light scenes. Yes, yeah. yeah, and, yeah. and it was the exact opposite of what Derek was saying. You have. Uh, this guy who's drawing a rather cartoony style doing these very serious scenes, and then you have Reyes doing very super serious art with the Lost Light crew, and they're joking around, and it's just like, it kind of hurt the humor a little bit. Yeah, I, I was, like, I like James Reyes's art, like, I've liked it since he was on, like, Dreamwaves, like, Armada comic, but, like, I don't know if his, it fits so well with, like, the humorous, like, scenes on the Lost Light. Like, I think it worked, like, in that scene where, like, you know, Rodimus and Ultra Magnus and Optimus or, have, or Orion were having a drink in the bar, but, like, when they were talking, like, about the heavy shit and stuff, but then, like, when you cut to, like, Swerve taking a picture of them, like, then I was kind of like, well, when it goes to humor, it, it's not, it doesn't work quite as well. Yeah, you know? and find the Ammonites, that's fine. He does great on that. Those are awesome, but, like, yeah... I did like the scene where they're on the Lost Light and Ultra Magnus is explaining how he's using, you know, catchphrases and colloquialisms to lighten up in front of the crew. And then when Getaway is like, whatever floats your boat, and Ultra Magnus is like, no need to show off now. <laughs> yeah. That was, that was, I, I, that was I, a pretty I, good scene. I do, I do like that they they maintain that through the entire crossover. Like when he hears about like Prowl and Chrome Dome, like going at it, like on on his like com, he's like, oh, red on red, oh whoop de doo. Like I'll be back, like I'll be there to have the candle. <laughs> yeah, <know>? yeah. Like, <laughs> uh... I, I actually, uh, one of the uh, smaller, like I guess, starring moments or like little fun things is I really enjoyed uh, Mainframe getting really annoyed at Perceptor. Oh, yeah, yeah, when he's doing all the, like, computations and whatnot. Or, I just like seeing Mainframe in general, because I was like, dude, he's an action master. I used to own him. I know who he is. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, and he looks just like he does on his toy. <laughs> yeah. He's got that weird... Um, yeah. I was just going to, like, for, like, Livio Ramondelli, he seems to have, like a, like, an equal share of, like champions and like detractors in terms of his art like the the all the like dead universe and stuff and like i think he does really good like yeah like moody stuff and like really good like single panels where like something like epic like happens like when you know optimus has his big you know i am optimus my name is optimus prime you know panel and the letter o is like in the middle of my dialogue yeah. Well, he's probably like, most well known for like autocracy and stuff like that, right? 
Yeah. See, I, I think, he, like, the smaller moments, like discussions and, like, stuff like that he doesn't do so well with. And I think he kind of blew, like, the, the, the reveal of Cup. Because yeah. I remember when that issue mm. came out, like, everyone was like, who the fuck is that? Yeah, Nova Prime was like, you know, I'm going to take you to meet, like, my friend. And, like, there's a space bridge inside my friend. And, like, they show Cup lying on a table with its, the space bridge in his chest. And you're supposed to be like, whoa, it's Cup, you know? But, like, most people are like, who the fuck is that? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was like, I was kind of squinting at it. I was like, that's Cup, right? And then I had to go to the message board, and I was like... Yep, that seems to be cup. That's like what everybody was kind of questioning too. I was like, well, at least I'm like not alone in that. Yeah, I think I think I had that moment as well. Especially also too, like even when Nightbeat showed up, like there are panels and moments of Nightbeat or where you'd see him and just kind of be like, wait, is that Nightbeat or not Nightbeat? You know, like or or you know where you'd get like slightly sort of confused depending on what position he was in. He gave him a very plain design. Yeah, well, I, he was pretty much using, like, the same design, but since, like, as, like, when, uh, I think, like, EJ Sue designed that night beat, like, way back in, like, Furman's run, but uh, I think it's just because, like, his style is so dark and stuff, like, you just couldn't, like, he, he, it's, no, it wasn't that distinct, and, like, you had already had, like, Hardhead there, who has, like, the same exact kind of visor as Nightbeat does, so, like, you know, it's hard to, like, differentiate sometimes when everyone's looking kind of, like, dark and whatnot. Oh, and I, I've decided that IDW hates me, because I have, like, a certain, like, number of favorite characters. Cup is one of them, and Cup came back, and I'm very happy about that. And they fucking killed Hardhead. Yeah. You know, I wanted, yeah, that was something I wanted to mention, and, like, I guess it'll it'll move us uh, more or less into our next, like, topic of discussion. Um, the, like, the, the plugging of toys in this crossover, like, this is, like, Hardhead's, like, I'll get to that in a minute, but, like, Hardhead's death is, like, I think an example of when the plugging of toys gets in the way of storytelling, because, okay, let, let me, let's, let's, let me set this up, like, um, back when, like, Generations Warpath came out, um, like, there was a thing where, like, Generations toys from that wave, you could tell what their remold was going to be, because their instructions showed a different head, and, like, the, uh, Warpath's instructions showed Hardhead's head on, like, on, in the instructions, so everyone, everyone was like, oh, Warpath's gonna be, like, remolded into Hardhead, right? And then we got, like, a, a few months ago, we got, like, listings of upcoming Generations toys, and one said Generations Hardhead. So we were like, oh, so maybe that Warpath is finally coming out with, hard, like, the new Hardhead, like, head. So anyway, when I saw, like, Hardhead, like, you know, succumb to the dead universe and, like, get consumed, I was like, oh, well, he's got a new toy coming up, like, a new body, so I'm sure he'll be back, right? So I get to the end of the series, and Hardhead doesn't come back, and I'm like, oh, so that was supposed to be, like, his real death? And then I was kind of like, oh, that's kind of lame. Like, you know, like, yeah. I guess, like, the yeah. expectations of things sometimes, like, kind of worked against it. It was, like, I guess kind of a dramatic, like, misfire almost. Well, like, I mean, you could say the same thing for Bumblebee because, honestly, he hasn't had the gold fire look for more than a few months. Yeah. You know? Pretty much, yeah. He got it right before Dark Cybertron. Yeah, so. yeah. As far as, like, selling of the toys go, I guess I'm not... I, I'm aware of the line, but uh, it's not as ingrained in me, so I don't know that that... I, I don't think I had any of those moments when Hardhead died, because I didn't have any of that backstory. But the one thing that 
just shout out at me as like some kind of toy reference was when Giaxis and Armada <laughs> Starscream were fighting with each other and and there, there's some dialogue about well this body of yours like that I just got is going to like own your ass or whatever and all I could remember is you guys talking about remolds and things and stuff so I'm assuming they're both the same toy right yeah, like yeah, different yeah. heads, and like that, I I don't have that innate knowledge. It's not like I can just pull that out of my ass. But even reading that, like that, totally took me out of the. I was like, all right, shut up, all right, just let me read. <laughs> I this was story. me and me and me and Tony were discussing. I, I was amused that Starscream knows the term cosplay. <laughs> like he was like he was like you're gonna really G axis. You're just gonna cosplay as me, like you know. Yeah, I, I, you know, I mean, it was obvious. Like he has reactive armor. Um, something he has never said he's had before, by the way. And, yeah, he's in his normal body, and I guess to fight Starscream, to, like, hold it over him, he turns into Starscream, just Jax's colors with Jax's head. And, yeah, it is very, you know, I, I think the term has been coined many times before, but it's it's very to- toy-etic, you know? It's like, somebody's getting a new toy. <laughs> you know? can, I, can I submit a no prize to why Starscream knows the term cosplay? Yes, yeah, sure. So I'm thinking because Verity was Ultra Magnus's good, good friend that, you know, he learned the term meh, like how's leadership going, Ultra Magnus? And he's like, meh. I, I assume he learned it from Verity. So I'm going to imagine that even though he's never been introduced in this IDW universe before, that Dr. Arkaville is a dirty old man who likes looking at hot girls and cosplay. <laughs> and him and Starscream had adventures together at some point that we never saw in the comics and that us Starscream knows the word cosplay because there is no space cosplay. There's just cosplay <laughs> on Earth, and that uh, and that Doctor Arkaville's the guy who hooked him up with all those cosplay pictures. So I'm getting biofeedback. There I, you go. I will accept that explanation. Nice. Nice. I await I await my no prize from Stanley. So oh, oh, and um, you guys forgot the most earth-shattering moment of this entire like crossover. What's that? Chrome Dome learn how to say. F- Oh yeah, and one of the what do you call uh, the the prelude issue? Yeah, when he was like, "How do I make that noise?" <laughs> Which is funny because it's like it's a joke that he doesn't have a mouth, so he or he doesn't have lips, so he couldn't like possibly make that noise. But <laughs> he figured it out somehow. <laughs> Speaking no, of, but, of more jokes that that we like, I'm just gonna throw out there. I, I love the exchange between Prowl and Ravage, where he's like, yeah, whatever the dog says, and then Ravage is like, I'm a cat. He's like, whatever. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That, that's yeah. the thing I liked about this. That's one thing I've always liked about a good comic, is I love action. I love seeing good guys beat up bad guys. I love seeing bad guys beat dicks and get their comeuppance. I love all that good shit, but... I love, like, humor, especially when it doesn't take away from the story, and none of the humor really took away from it. Like, I know Derek was talking about the Starscream thing, and that was, like, you know, more of an artist thing. That was, like, how it was rendered, but, like, a lot of the jokes were really good in this. Yeah, there was a lot of great humor. Like, I was a a fan of uh, when Ultra Magnus, like, phones Windblade to try and get, like, Metroplex into the fight, and he's like, uh, Windblade, like, the, the universe is ending, and she's like, huh. And he's like, oh, you took that better than I thought. She's like, wait, what did you say? Like, who starts a <laughs> sentence like that, you know? Yeah. And, and, of course, we cannot forget the awesomeness that is the Rod Pod. <laughs> the Rod Pod, yeah, that was pretty awesome. <laughs> and yeah, I like get getaways, like, and this guy is your leader? <laughs> like, I like how Magnus hates it. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's blowing up, he's going to blame me. 
yeah, there's a there's a ton of good humor in that in that series, and uh, you know, in like more than meets the eye, obviously is pretty renowned for its like humor and stuff. So, oh, yeah. But you know, I, I think like the John Barber written parts like have some good stuff too. Like, like I'm pretty like I'm certain I'm pretty sure that uh, the moment where like you know Megatron and Bumblebee make it back to Iacon and like like Megatron's like you know a miracle. Like I've been called some things, but but not that, and not by an Autobot. And Bumblebee's just kind of like you know he had me waiting here for like two minutes to wait for a good like <laughs> opening like line or whatever. Yeah, uh, that was good. Oh, I, I actually also like the fact that Waspinator went back to type more near the end of the series. Yeah, when we got stabbed by Bludgeon, he's like, "Why well, universe hate Waspinator?" Yeah, yeah. Oh. Yeah, I kind of I like that thing. He's like, "Waspinator made it. I'm all good." And then the next panel is like, "Oh fuck." <laughs> Poor Bludgeon, like he got he got like kind of well he had his one good like fight scene and then he got taken out by one shot by Optimus. It's like how the mighty have fallen. Like <laughs> yeah, I was, we were, me and you were talking about that. Mike, there's like a lot of Furman characters who who've been very quietly either swept under the rug or they just do not have the spot like they used to in IDW. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Like well, like Grimlock. Like speaking of Grimlock, not you, Justin. Like. The, the actual Grimlock, but yeah, he's he's been ra- relatively in like IDW's continuity, relatively like not present for the most part. But, well, you know, it be you know, awesome. Wouldn't it be awesome if like people have compared Simon Furman's Grimlock to Wolverine? If Wolverine took that status for like at least like a year or something, where like you just <laughs> don't hear Wolverine, you don't sniff Wolverine for like a year. Just just to make him kind of cool, you know, when he comes back again or something, or at least yeah, spe- it, special. Then all you would hear for like you know everything you every week you would hear constantly on like Yahoo News or like you know business reports. Marvel stock dropped another five points today. <laughs> yeah, Justin, what were you gonna say? Um, you know, there were like several issues in a row where it's like the cliffhanger was like someone showing up. It's like, oh, it's Nightbeat. Oh man, it's Cup. Oh, it's like female Autobots. Like, I kept expecting, like, two other issues to end with, like, one would, like, one issue would end with Grimlock showing up, and the other one would end with Drift showing up. I was like, you've got every other character that's been relatively, like, important or, like, has a toy to sell. Like, I was expecting those two to show up, and then they didn't. I was like, aw. Yeah, yeah I get you. Mike are still waiting on Springer to show up at some point, too. Yeah, Springer, too. He's like, yeah. yeah. Oh, I guess uh, speaking of drift, um, let us talk briefly about the new, like the person who took Drift's crown as new special, super awesome original character, uh, Windblade. Um, although technically, like you know, like they're obviously like Nautica is new too, and I think she, I thought she was like a lot, like she looked cooler, and she seems like a lot more interesting than Windblade, but. Like, Windblade is, like, the big deal because she's getting her own series and she's designed by fans and whatnot. And, like, I gotta say, like, as much shit as I gave, like, about Drift and, like, even, like, Windblade, I don't I don't think her design's, like, that great or anything. But, like, I didn't think, like, her, her debut was, like, very low-key, I thought. Like, you know, it wasn't, like... Like, I, I absolutely hate, hate, hate Spotlight Drift. Because it's, like, it's so... It's such a, like... 
self-insertion, like, fanfic character debut, where, like, Drift is like, you know, I'm a badass, and I'm wearing a cloak, and I've got swords, and, like, you know, I go and I rescue the Wreckers, and Cup's all like, yeah, I heard a legend of this guy, Drift. <laughs> He's super awesome, you know, and whatnot. And, like, I friggin' hated that issue. But Windblade, like, you know, they, she just shows up as part of, like, another, like, group of, like, you know, the female Autobots and whatnot. And she's just like, you know, I'm in charge, and, you know, this is my job. I tend to Metroplex and whatnot. And, you know, she she has some good oh, moments yeah, herself. she tends to Metroplex. <laughs> Take that, female reader. <laughs> she rubs his uh, brain. <laughs> oh man, we're taking the high road here. Yeah. But uh, yeah. But what what did you guys think of like Windblade and in by extension like the other like the debut of the, like Chromia and Nautica? Um, isn't Chromia for really reals? Yeah, yeah, yeah she, she's because yeah, I was she, like I was like oh I remember Chromia like so I was like I don't know why I guess I just took her way more seriously than the other two but I I was kind of like oh I guess Nautica's here because they're like underwater technically you know so I was like well that makes sense but then um, you yeah, know I don't know whatever I mean uh, like I I know all the hype surrounding it like <laughs> I I don't think she did a whole lot in this to like I I don't know the specifics of her getting her own series if it's just a mini series or a one shot or whatever but like I didn't necessarily see anything the spark of anything that's like oh man i need to read much more about this character like my appetite is wet and i'm ready for more like i i never got that so i don't i don't know if it's because other fans participated in her creation that they're anticipating you know something they contributed to maybe like maybe that's part of the appeal like but since i didn't really contribute to that at all like i just was kind of like, okay, she's there. Like, uh, you know, it's nice that she, you know, had this mental communication with Metroplex, but she reminded me of um, the little kid in uh, Prime, you know? It's like, I understand beep, beep, ba-doobie, beep, you know? Like, (laughs) you know, it's like, all right, great. Somebody can tell us what's on Metroplex's mind, you know, because all he can do apparently is go, my eyes, Whatever. You know, so. <laughs> I don't think he. Even, I don't think he even actually growled or anything. Metroplex does seem to have a problem with keeping his eyes. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> um, all, all I was going to say is because mine's really short. Um, I'm in the same boat with you, uh, Mike. I do actually like Nautica. And, ooh, spoilers, but come on, really. We spoiled everything so far. She's going to be on the Lost Light crew, apparently. And yeah. uh, I'm down with that. She seems more interesting. Windblade, I actually don't mind that she was kind of downplayed. Because, like you said, Drift, he was just like, you know, I'm Captain Awesome of the Universe. Look at me do shit. And, like, Windblade was just more like, yeah, I'm here. Shit's going down. This event's bigger than me, and I'm just a new character. Hi, how you doing? You know, so if they don't make her a Mary Sue character where she's the most beautiful robot in the galaxy and she does everything right and she's, you know, the bestest thing in the world, I'm down with that, you know? She seems like she's kind of fucked up. She seems really quiet. She doesn't seem to be very sociable. You know, she seems kind of, you know, touched in the head. And that's cool. I like fucked up characters. I like characters who are not, you know, super awesome at everything. So I didn't mind it. I, I didn't mind it as much as I thought. <laughs> That's that's the, the the takeaway from this, kids. If you're not super awesome at something, you're fucked up, man. Like, well, she's not. You're just, she's not, you're all, just she's average, not all in you're your face up. like drift, right? Is yeah, that, exactly. Is that the basic I, idea? Yeah, that's that, that that's pretty much how I felt. I, I I was like less like taken out of it than I was when drift first showed up. So yeah, exactly. But, she did. She didn't take away from the story. Yeah. I don't know. One one thing I forgot to mention about the art. Um, 
the dude, uh, I think he only, like, drew, like, half an issue, a Robert Gill. Um, he drew, like, the issue where they invade Shockwave's lair, and, like, uh, Megatron gets, like, torn in two by Galvatron and stuff. Like, I don't know, like, there's, like, there's some things that are just so ridiculous that you need, like, a like an <laughs> artist that, 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 uh, that, like, is, like, I don't know, like, like savvy or, or familiar with like like I guess Transformers or whatever or like someone who knows like how to handle a scene like this and like I don't think he handled the scene well I'm I'm gonna call it the Three Stooges scene where um Galvatron and Nova Prime try and force their way through the portal in Megatron's chest. And yeah, I call it yeah, the yeah, Sto- yeah, yeah. yeah, I call it the Three Stooges scene because why did they have to try and come through both at the same time? Yeah, I know. <laughs> they were like, like no, Nova Prime was like, you shout ahead, like, let me go through first. And Galvatron's like, it's, it's funny, actually. Like, I, I totally see what you're saying. The Three Stooges did not occur to me. What actually I thought of when I saw it was, I, I don't know, I know Justin's probably seen it. I'm not sure about you other guys, but I had like a Nightmare in Elm Street 2 flashback because the lead character in that is possessed by Freddy Krueger. And at some point there's this scene where his gloved hand comes through the kid's stomach and you can see Freddy's eyes inside his mouth. And then basically he just kind of comes out of his stomach and, and leaves this discarded husk behind or whatever. But that's what I was thinking. Like when Nova Prime was trying to like, bust out of Megatron's stomach. And then, speaking of disjointedness and confusion, like, I literally was like, well, like, I don't even think I understood that they both didn't come through, like, until I read the subsequent parts. Because I was like, I read that part, I saw what was going on, and I'm like, oh, okay, so they're using Megatron as a portal so that Nova Prime... And Galvatron can come through the dark universe to start shit on Cybertron. So I understood that. And then I read an issue where, you know, it was, you know, just Prime and his or Pax and his crew, you know, fighting with Nova Prime. And I went, well, wait a minute. Didn't didn't he come through? Like, isn't he on Cybertron? And then when I got to like the I don't know, I think it was like part seven. Then I think Galvatron actually has some dialogue like, oh, only I got through and. You know, Nova Prime is back in the dark universe, like, beating up on Pax. And I went, oh, okay, so he didn't, you know, basically the Three Stooges thing, you know, the, you know, Mo got left behind or whatever, and, and you know, <laughs> fucking Curly's there, like, starting, you know, or whatever. Yeah. But I didn't even understand that at first. Yeah. And, and, and like, Nova Prime's, say. like, the, the bigger guy. <clears throat> so, for some reason, I just I just picture there's this like one panel where like Galvatron's like putting his hand on Nova Prime's face he's like pardon me (laughs) (laughs) yeah like well that's what I mean when I said like you know that's that's like a ridiculous image and I think you needed like an artist who was more I don't know familiar with the scale and like the dimensions of these characters to pull it off like and like I I don't or even had some kind of uh like I guess savvy like in terms of like the, the physics, the, the brainstorm one was perfect because it was just a hand coming out. And the next panel, they're all out. You don't see any. Yeah, exactly. Shit. Yeah. So like that scene, and like when when Megatron got ripped in half, I was like, oh wait, what happened? Like I was like, okay, like I had to look at it twice. I was like, oh, Megatron's getting ripped in half. Okay. Actually, so, I, like, was, I, I was I was more like, holy shit, he just got Ultimate Wolverine. I was thinking <laughs> that too. <laughs> Rawr. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I will yeah. give Galvatron credit though. He he ripped him cleanly into. 
Yeah, yeah. It, was, it was like a toy like mutilation. <laughs> I guess it was like I guess if you want to like like you know uh, save face for Megatron, you could say like the portal in his chest made his torso really weak or whatever. But you know, or you could just say if you want to save face for Galvatron, Galvatron's just that like hardcore and strong or whatever. But plot convenience. Yeah. I'm just. Um, I'm just. I, I was oh, just curious. I, I got a question for everybody because I I know I have favorite characters and I know you guys do too. But one trope I seem to notice throughout the story is some of my favorite characters, and I would imagine some of yours. I'll just give Nightbeat as an example, so it's not one of my favorite characters. But I would notice they'd have moments of really awesomeness and badassery, which for Nightbeat I think was you know figuring out the scratchings on. Rodimus's hand, or previous to that, kind of giving the little, you know, detective dissertation all about Cyclonus without knowing really anything that's been going on since he's died. But then, you know, of course, he turns into a heel because he's still Nova Prime's stooge. So there, there would seem to be this trope of, ooh, here's my favorite character. Not necessarily mine, but I'm pretty sure Nightbeat is one of your favorite characters, Mike. So, yes. so like, you have this moment of, oh, here's my favorite character. Oh, look at how badass he was. He's, like, so Batman right there, or, you know, whatever you want to call it. Like, he's so cool. Um, and then, and then immediately after, it's like, not only am I Batman, but I've got, like, uh, you know, a piece of kryptonite up Superman's nose. And it's like, oh, man, Batman, like, now you fucked shit up because now you're turning evil. You know, it's like the Joker told me to stick this kryptonite up your nose. And then he's got, like, a Joker smile. And you're just like, oh, well, now he's now he's not as cool as he was, like, five minutes ago. And, like, for me, those moments came with, you know, obviously it came with Rodimus because there's, you know, some moments where he's cool and, headlong and jumping into the unknown but then there's also moments where you know optimus prime's like oh you should have just resigned you fucking asshole you know and he's like what i i fucking owned up to it you know but he's like you should have just fucking walked away just the facts you know and all that kind of stuff (laughs) and and then with um for me the other thing was i was happy to see that slag i was happy to see that slag (laughs) was the the uh, de facto second-in-command, you know, since we were talking about how Grimlock was not really on the scene, you know, in this kind of, you know, era of the Lost Light and and Robots in Disguise. But then later on, it just turned into this awful running gag of, R.C. didn't like my name and said it was offensive. I'm like, who gives a fuck what R.C. thinks? But anyway... You know, so they, they and then the rest of this series is like, I'll go buy Slug now. I'm like, oh, that loads better, you fucking jerk. You know, so it, it basically it's like, oh, you, you you know, you were my favorite character, but now you're going to be named this goofy ass name for reasons I I have no concept of. So that I, I don't even get it. Like, what's the offense exactly? Like, I always make fun of it, but I don't even understand. It's it. like a British thing. Like a slag is. Like- it's a it's a you yeah a British euphemism for like a whore. <laughs> A slut or but why like would a, you? I mean, I don't even. Under, how does that relate to a fucking robot triceratops? <laughs> <laughs> Especially when he called himself know. that is like you know I'm whore. What's up? It's like well you. It, it is. It that. is dumb. Yeah, I don't. I don't even dumb, understand but, that. But okay. I mean, what the RC met British people and is like familiar with that? Like I don't. I don't get it. It's just one of those things that like doesn't really make sense. You just go with. It's like why is Windblade like a robot geisha? Don't know. Like just go with it, man. 
Yeah. Well, I think it's one of those things where, like, Hasbro's like, okay, listen, we can't use that name anymore, and you're going to have to explain why. And the writers are probably like, fuck it, we'll just, like, make a joke about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the only one that kind of annoyed me was, like, uh, Metal Hawk's return. Because, okay, he does redeem himself in the end, and, like, it's it's nice that he died again, because, you know... It's nice for people to stay dead for a little while, you know. And he just died pretty recently, so okay, cool. He 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 died and he came back. And I, but just when he came back, he's just like, "I'm Metal Hawk. I'm back. I am winning. Now I'm going to join the Decepticons for no good reason." And he just flies off, you know. Uh, well, I think like I think they said like Shockwave was kind of exerting some kind of control over him, or or he was just angry or pissed off. I I forgot what it was, but you know. Shockwave and his magical infinity ores. I don't know. Like I think like that. Like it was like a nice kind of redemption for Metal Hawk. Like in the end, because I think if you liked Metal Hawk, like from Master Force or whatever, and then like you know when he in IDW, he's just kind of like a sort of a thorn and like you know Bumblebee's side, and like even if you don't like Bumblebee, and like. You know, he's he. It seems like he's like like a thorn in like the Autobot side, basically. Well, yeah, yeah. He, he did redeem himself very well. I, I I liked his last line where he's like, you know, last time you killed me for your selfish reasons. Now I give myself up for my yeah. Like and, and like you know, he died. Like he had a pretty like pathetic death where like Starscream kills him. You know, and you know, so at least he got like I I liked when he came back and when he first saw Starscream. He like you know. <laughs> He was like, he just like, you know, we're not here to talk. And then he just shoots Starscream in the chest. And he's like, okay, you know, I had to get that out of my system. But now we got to, like, save the universe and stuff. But. Yeah, I think it was just a pacing thing because they had to get Metal Hawk back. So yeah. his, his return was just really quick. It's just like, I'm back now, bye. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I think, like, if you were a fan of Metal Hawk, you might be a little happier that he at least got a heroic death this time, you know? Yeah. Were you at least a fan that it seemed like Prowl got to get out of the quote-unquote doghouse, so to speak, in this crossover? Like, it seemed like, I mean, at least from my perspective, hating Bumblebee and all, at least he was the one who's like, man, you gotta fucking do something, or, like, somebody else is gonna show up. Like Soundwave just did, you know? Like, that kind of thing, or the moments where... You know, at least he got to buy Metroplex some time this time. Yeah, I mean, it's like, you know, the original the original Devastata merge was like, oh, look at what a mind-controlled fuck-up Prowl is. And, and now it, it was sort of a chance to be like, I know you never said, I know you said you never wanted to do this again, but we can, you know, we can help doing this this time. And so he got to buy them yeah. some time fighting Monstructor, you know, and I thought that was, you know, to me, yeah, I was like, oh, good, like he's, you know, he's kind of getting some spotlight, and it's not in a sort of, you know, nefarious presentation. Yeah, like, you know, it's, I, it's I just did a like, straight up, like, we're going to do things, you know, my way. So, like, because Shockwave is, uh, you know, a logician, just like I am. So it's like the only way to combat fire is with fire, and we're going to all be logical starting now and stop doing I, Bumblebee I, I, bullshit, you know? I did, like, yeah, like, it was kind of subtle, but, like, in that issue, like, right before he combines with the Constructicons again, he's kind of, like, covering, like, nails that are running away, like, you know, and, you know, if you've read the series, you know that Prowl fucking hates, like, neutrals and stuff, so he was kind of, like, doing, like, <laughs> something nice for a change, and, like, I, I even... <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, so, like, and, like, I even, even though, like, you know, Prowl's my favorite guy, and I know he does dicey and shady shit, and, you know, like, I, I even like that scene where, like, Ultra Magnus kind of tells him off, because I was like, you know what, Prowl, like, like I, I like you, but you did deserve, like, kind of, you know, what, what, 
what do you call it? You did kind of deserve Ultra Magnus, like, telling you, you know, you, you fucking, like, fucked us over, you know, by, you know, with all your shadow games and, you know, you know your back alley deals and whatnot. And- I, I think the moment that hit home for me with that was, the, you know, Justin's talking about the scene where it was Prime and, or, you know, Pax and Rodimus and Magnus all kind of having the leader conference up at Swerve's. And I, I like how they're like, oh, well, we got to call High Command, you know, we got to tell Bumblebee. And then Pax is like, and Prowl, and they both just fucking stop, where it's just like, yeah, yeah, Prowl. You know, like, so I thought that was a kind of telling moment, at least, you know, from from that vantage point. You're like, they they weren't too happy about it, but it's like, yeah, okay, you know. Yeah. I I, I do like the fact that, like, I I was kind of iffy about it at first, but as far as I could tell, the Constructicons are totally Prowl fanboys. Yeah, <laughs> like, I, I think that's kind of funny, and I'm glad. It looks like from upcoming spoilers, like, covers, like, the the Constructicons are going to stick with Prowl, like, when, when he, obviously, he'll probably be going to Earth when Robots in Disguise starts up again, so, like, you know, he'll have the Construct, his fanboys, like, following him around still, so, I think that's a, like, interesting setup, so. Yeah, well, apparently, like, the whole idea, which, if anybody has not read them, Prowl is the head of Devastator now. That was in uh, earlier issues. But it's really funny because now since the Constructicons have merged with him, they know how he thinks. And it's, it's kind of disturbing, but they like how he thinks. Like, I, I think it's actually kind of, like, the way they've set up, like, how combiners or gestalts work in the IDW universe is that, like, the sort of mind meld, like, spreads through the entire team. And, like, you've got, like, the Monstructor guys all acting as one, pretty much. And then the Constructicons all having, like, a similar speech pattern and stuff. So, like, yeah, like, I, I think it's kind of, like, uh, it's it's neat. And, like, I wonder if any of that's going to bleed into Prowl almost, because, but... Yeah, but uh, the moment I really liked between that in that confrontation between Ultra Magnus and Prowl was when Prowl's like, "Are you threatening me?" Like Minimus Ambus, like yeah. you know, he like he was trying to like show like Ultra Magnus, like you know, I know your fucking secret and stuff. And Ultra Magnus is kind of like, "Well, he, you're fucking dumb because like I already told everyone, and like that <laughs> that has like no power over me anymore. So you know, you can go fuck yourself, man." Like so, yeah. that, that was a cool like little like. I got a, a nice, like, even if it was at the expense of my favorite character, it was a nice, like, show of uh, character development for Ultra Magnus, basically, so. And, and, you know, honestly, I can say, I mean, yeah, Prowl was being a dick, but when he confronted Chrome Chrome Dome, I can't really blame him because because of those neck holes that Chrome Dome did when he did the whole um, Mino surgery, surgery, that is why Bombshell got in. And, okay, that was not intended, obviously. Chromedom didn't want to do that, but, you know, I can understand Prowl being pissed off. Did he go about about the right way? No fucking way. But, you know, I think it it, it keeps building on Chromedom's arc that, like, his talent is kind of a curse, you know? Well, and two, like, I think for me the key line in that scene is when Prowl punches Chromedom in the face and says, look, I'm sorry Rewind died, but get some fucking perspective. You know, like, and yeah. and I think I think that's just two divergent philosophies, you know, and, and you, you would either understand one or the other. You know, people that are, you know, super emotional based and and that's all they can react off of. All they can think of is is how they feel. 
well, then they're going to pretty much side with Chrome Dome. You know, they're going to remember that heartfelt moment and say, well, you know, Chrome Dome's the one in the right. But, you know, for people that are logical and aren't basically chained to their emotions, you know, and don't let that interfere with certain, you know, important decisions in, in how they run their lives, you know, they're going to side with Prowl and be like, hey, he's right. You know, you do need to look at this from a different vantage point. You can't you can't let every, you know, personal interaction, every feeling that enters your brain run your life, you know, because if you, you know, it's like, oh, I feel sad. So what, you're going to be miserable this whole fucking time? You know, it's like you got to kind of, you know, snap out of that and, and, and do something else. Or, you know, if you feel mad, it's like you can lash out and get into a fight, but you can also kind of hold that in check and, and kind of move on from that point and, you know, lead the Autobots or, you know, whatever it is that you got to get done, you know? So I, yeah. I think that's a pretty telling key scene. So, yeah, it, it was really well handled. And I mean, Chrono's reaction, I don't blame him. I mean, his lover guy, pal, or whatever you want to call it. And I just say that because it's transformers, not because I have any problem with it. It's just, you know, they're fucking robots. So, but like the the person he cared about, you know, died, and he's obviously upset about it. And Proud did make the mistake of saying, like, you know, I forgot the exact word, but he mentioned rewind. You know, he said his name, and that like, you know, threw Chrome Dome over the edge. So, but yeah, it was, it was actually a really good scene. I like that, and I like I like interactions like that. It was, it was very uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It was it was subtle because like there's a lot of big things said, but it was it was a character moment. I think that's what really makes this a good crossover is despite all the big shit happening, despite, like, Shockwave wanting to destroy the universe and, like, make it a singularity where only Cybertron is a bright, shining star and shit, you know, uh, like, it's all a lot of character beats, a lot of character moments, and, and that that was really cool. I guess the one last point I had was uh, Shock, like, basically Shockwave. Like, he was pretty much the main villain of this story arc, and this kind of wraps up his story. Um, did you guys like, like, sort of, like, the... the how Optimus and Megatron kind of talked him down. Like, I guess in some aspects, I was kind of disappointed that he just got talked down. But, like, I, I understand why it, like, worked. Because, like, you know, the time drive was making him feel like like his pre-Shadow like shadow play self. So, like, I understand why it worked. But I was guess I guess, like, since it, it had been built up so, like, epically, like, you know, everyone outside is fighting, like, a 70 billion strong, like, army and whatnot. And, like, they just kind of, you know, tell him, you know, talk him down, basically. So, what did you guys think of, like, the ending? Well, I think it, it was, like, what we mentioned on the board. One of the things that keeps being mentioned in this uh, crossover is change. And most times in a big situation like this, someone gets blown the fuck up. Yeah, Shockwave does get blown up. But still, that would just be it. It would just be a big fucking fight, you know? It's like, I'm going to win. I'm going to, like, persevere over the bad guy. And I think that's the the reason why they kept saying change. Megatron and Optimus actually handled this in a very different way. Optimus obviously still has, like, you know, a kinship with the old Shockwave. He hasn't let it go, but he realizes that Shockwave now is not the same person, but he saw that friend. And Megatron, again, is trying to change his ways. And he's like, Shockwave, your way is not the way to do it now. So I think the the whole idea of change was really important. I think that's why they went with talking him down. And the only reason they destroyed him was not because of anger, because they had to kill him. I mean, you know, out of, like, revenge. They had to kill him to save the universe. You know, he had to die so that the singularity wouldn't take over. I, I think, again, it, it proves Prowl's point. 
I think I think I think he he didn't he, you know he didn't stick with his ultimate logic you know he went back to that time where he was that senator that was filled with feelings and emotions and and just like Prowl pushes buttons I think I think that was I I don't know I don't think they had nefarious intentions obviously Prime and Megatron want were doing it for you know what they perceived as noble reasons but ultimately that results in you know, Shockwave basically destroying himself. So, you know, in that context, to me, it, it just seems like, okay, well, you've got Prime saying, look, I remember who you were, and and even if you die, you know, I promise we're going to remember you as the the caring, compassionate person that you were as a senator and not this thing that you turned into type, you know. And then, you know, with Megatron, it was all about, him trying to prove a point, you know, just trying to tell him, look, if I can change, if, if, if I can have this kinship with Bumblebee, you know, an Autobot who in alternate universes, I ripped out his fucking vocal cords, then, you know, like you can, you can come back from this too. Like, you know, so I, you know, I mean, it, it made sense in the grand scheme of things. I mean, I, I could understand being disappointed that, that it doesn't, it isn't some like epic, you know, brainy, you know, high-tech solution to a scientific problem or, you know, some kind of chess match where, you know, they actually manage to outthink him. But, I mean, I guess it makes sense for, for the purposes that it serves. I mean, that's, those seeds were all there from the beginning that, that you know, Pax had this friendship with a young senator. So, I mean, I, I bought it. Yeah, I actually did feel bad for Shockwave. That little the little bench speech was actually really nice. I like. Yeah, that was that was cute. Yeah, J- Justin, what did you think of like the ending, like in terms of Shockwave and whatnot? I liked it. I guess uh, you know we've been talking about Prowl versus uh, Chrome Dome, like logic versus emotion and sentiment. Like I, I I would probably fall more on the sentiment side of things. So like I I like the resolution. I think it's more interesting than just like you know. Optimus, Megatron, storm in and kill him. Like that, I, I think that would be that would be an okay ending, but I don't think it would be as dramatic or as good as the finish for the whole thing. I mean, you have like a lot going on with you know everyone fighting outside, like the giant army of you know minicons or whatever. But like kind of like I was saying about Megatron, like having someone you know look back on themselves, like look back on like what they you know, how they were when they started out, like what their goals were, and they they see that they lost their way for whatever reason. Either they became like a total, like, maniacal, you know, despot like Megatron, or in Shockwave's case, like he was altered, you know, forcibly. That's what changed him. Like, I think that was a really good uh, resolution and a really good callback for, like, like yeah, things like, that previously. Or, like, how Prime, like, lost his faith in being a Prime. Yeah, yeah, it, it was yeah. I'd like I I liked all those things, but I don't know. Like sometimes I'm kind of like uh, like I was like, where's my big like ex- my, where's my big Michael Bay explosion like fight whatever whatever. But no, come yeah, on, like, you had the Metro Titan and Metroplex fighting. Come on, yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't know if I thought of it as like an either all war scenario where it's like you either have to have Bay explosions or you have the you know, emotional uh, reach out ending where they, you know, convert Shockwave at the last possible minute. Like to me, I was thinking, you know, if you, if you did, if I was to do something alternatively, not that I didn't buy the ending, but if it was to be something alternative, I would have preferred something along the lines of 
you know, like a, a Death Note type situation where you have guys like Prowl and Shockwave just playing a chess match. And, you know, in that sense, the drama and stakes would come from seeing how they played the game, you know, how they raised the stakes, how they outfought one another and, and put their, you know, pieces into place. Um, but in, in this sense, I mean, it's just as equally a, a valid ending, so... Yeah, I, it, like I like how, how the uh, Ammonites uh, pulled a uh, like battle droids or Chitari thing where they all like blow up because one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I I do like like Swerve and Whirl like watching it happen and Swerve's like oh they're combining into a poorly like coordinated fireworks display now <laughs> and then like Whirl's like you guys can't just explode like rip off like yeah. <laughs> Um, uh, I was going to say, uh, Justin, speaking of, like, you know, I guess thinking deeper on this and all that good stuff and everything like that, um, did you actually like that? Like, I was going to ask you this earlier about the Megatron thing. Even though you're waiting to see how it plays out, obviously, as as we all should, I mean, we can't really make a judgment on that. We were we were throwing around wrestling terms like face and heel turn. Did, did Megatron's face turn, like, at least, I don't know about convince you, but were you like, Okay, that was well done. I, I believe that he's he, he is actually not trying to be a dick, you know. Yeah, well, I mean, I bought it. Like, I didn't have a problem with it. Like I said, I, w- I was curious as to how they were gonna change him. Like, whether it was gonna make sense logically in universe or not, or if it was just gonna be, you know, one of those things that just didn't work and was really forced. But like, I I thought it made sense. Okay, cool. Yeah, it wasn't just like I'm a good guy now for no reason. Yeah, yeah. Well. Um, I think we're pretty much near the end of our discussion. Does anyone have any like other comments they wanted to bring up? Uh, I, have, I have one question for you, Mike, actually. Sure. Um, we, we've all been pretty much very positive about the more than ECI thing. We're like, ooh, Megatron's going to be in charge. New, new crew members. Ooh, this is going to be cool. Are you looking forward to Robots in Disguise with Prowl, I mean, uh, Prime and them on Earth again? Is that going to be something you're going to be into, or are you, are you going to miss like Cybertron Red? Yeah, like, like I mean, I'm not one of, like, I know Rid obviously has a, a much larger portion of detractors than more than meets the eye has, but I'm not one of them, and, like, like I think, I think, like, you know, it's not obviously as, like, entertaining as more than meets the eye, but I still think Rid is a very solid, like, Transformers book, and, like, I'm, I'm looking forward to the next phase of it. I'm, I'm actually, like, looking forward to going back to Earth, like, I, I kind of want to see, like, maybe they'll meet up with, like, Verity again, and, like, you know, even like see what the hell like what shape like spike with with, with wiki is now now that like when we last left him off he was like an international fugitive because he was like dealing with swindle and whatnot so like i kind of want to see what the earth's like landscape is like like now and you know that that first preview they released of like thundercracker like meeting with marissa fairborn or whatever who i guess they're introducing was it was pretty funny where like thundercracker is like kind of living in solitude on earth and like he's writing a screenplay and like he, <laughs> he has a dog and like I thought that was pretty hilarious. So yeah, but, uh, he's, he's yeah, pretty I'm, much the only Transformer before this series happens who's still on Earth, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, so I'm 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 looking forward and knowing that like Barber's like a con- continuity fiend, like like I'm looking forward to like everything he's gonna bring up, like from that was like 
left unresolved, like, on Earth. Like, you know, who who knows if, like, the Machination is still around or, like, what Skywatch is doing or, you know... Like, I assume, like, maybe Marissa Fairborn is in charge of, like, Skywatch now or whatever, so... Well, you mentioned Thundercracker and you mentioned earlier Prowl and probably his Constructicon fan club, and obviously Prime's going to be on there. I, I'm a little bit behind on my knowledge. Uh, do, do you know who else is going to round out the cast for uh, the Earthbound guys? Um... I guess they showed, like, one cover. Uh, Sideswipe, RC, and Jazz, are, at least, are going to be there. And oh, cool. Like, I, I can only assume Ratchet's going to Earth because he has such a strong connection to Earth, and his, his plot lines are pretty much wrapped up already in More Than Meets the Eye, so I assume he's going to be switching casts. Yeah. So, like, I, yeah. We, we were talking about how First Day is probably going to take over since he was on that other Yeah. Part, yeah. And then we've got, like, I should ask Justin this, too. What do you think of uh, Galvatron the Barbarian or whatever? <laughs> like, uh, I thought that was pretty great. Like, you know, I, I'm a big fan of, like, pulp stuff, and especially Robert E. Howard and Conan. So, like, I thought that was really good, but, like, I, I wanted to ask you, I was going to ask you this off show, like, because I haven't read some of the previous stuff, like, what, like, what all is the history of Galvatron and Cyclonus and, like, all those guys? Like, I know the stuff we've seen... Flash the flashbacks we've seen in like the current run of this stuff, well, but like I know their Galvatron is completely separate from Megatron in this, but like is he just some kind of like ancient? They they've pretty much hinted that there were wars before, like the Autobot Decepticon War, like during Nova Prime's time, and that Nova Prime's generation kind of ended their own like wars and stuff. And like Galvatron was some ancient, like one of his generals, and some ancient like war heroes, like legend, and you know Cyclonus and Scourge were like his bodyguards and stuff, and like basically, yeah, like I I think I mentioned it to you, like I I have like the deluxe edition of, like, Dark Cybertron number one, and it, it contains the script to, like, the first issue. And in the script, like, it, like he goes through, like, like every character that appears, and it's like, Galvatron, like, think of him as Conan, as a Transformer. <laughs> like, he's like an ancient warrior king, like, thirsts for battle and whatnot, and, like, you know, he's... You know, pretty much always, like, you know, in, in pretty much in Dark Cybertron, like, he kind of, like, you know, he's like, you know, you people aren't, your your generation aren't warriors, and, you know, I don't respect any of you guys and whatnot, so. Yeah, he's like, I guess people weak and stuff, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it seems like they're setting him up to take over the Decepticons while Megatron's an Autobot, so, like, yeah, yeah but, pretty much. Yeah, he was, like, part of uh, Nova Prime's crew. Um, as far as the people we know, it was Nova Prime, Cyclonus, uh, Galvatron, Geaxis, and Grindcore. Grindcore's dead. Don't worry about him. And that's the only. And Sh- Straxus. Oh, Straxus too, was there. Yeah. yeah. And, and and then and Scourge. Technically Tailgate. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. T- yeah. T- what do you call it? Tailgate? If you believe his like fish story, uh, Tailgate was like awesome and there. Yeah. yeah. And then they kind of retcon Scourge to be part of that and that like Hearts of Darkness. Oh yeah, that's like, right. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, like I think I guess Galvatron's basically like an ancient. It's it's kind of like I was wondering eventually if someone was gonna retcon it that like Galvatron is like Megatron's like like ancestor or something like or like like some establish some kind of link between them brother yeah exactly our secret brother yes i don't know i I, I do like the like the fact that it's kind of funny that like in normal continuity that we're all used to galvatron is megatron's future self 
but in this one, he existed before Megatron. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was like. I was wondering if it was going to, you know, be some kind of weird link between the two, but uh, I guess they just kind of contrast off each other. What if Derek, they ask, maybe a timey-wimey thing? Well, yeah, that's what I was like. What if they ask Mike Costa to come back and do a one-shot, and you find out Autobot Megatron, like, actually turns into Galvatron and then gets sent back into the past? Can't explode. <laughs> it explodes, yes. Yeah, no. Okay. I don't Yeah. I, I think I think we, we've got, like, the you get the best of both worlds, yeah, basically, yeah. by having Megatron and Galvatron around at the same time. Well, it, it, it's kind of like to me. It, it just reminds me of the the old Time War UK comics where they were always fighting side by side, you know. But in that sense, it's just you know, it's fun to see both of them, uh, you know, basically on on panel, you know, at the same time. Yeah. It's, it's a fun little thing. So yeah, well, like back in the old days, like before the movie came out, you actually had like you know some of the season three toys coming out and stuff, and it, it, it Hasbro tried their damnedest to not let anyway know that Galvatron was a reformatted version of Megatron. Rodimus Prime and Hot Rod, that didn't really fucking work because they look exactly like that one's taller. And, you know, that's kind of funny. I think that's where IDW got that idea because, like, even Galvatron's bio, if you ever read his tech specs, it says how he, like, he wants to control the Decepticons and, like, he, he there's, like, no mention of Megatron at all, so. Yeah. I, I guess that's it. Uh, well, I already asked if anyone else had anything else to say. I mean, is there anything else that anyone wants to blurt out? Or I'm glad think? Rodimus dodged the Nightwing bullet. Woo! <laughs> yeah. It, it, they, it, if it helps, I, I thought Roddy was going to be the one to die too, Derek. I did. Yeah. I was I was banking on Prowl to well die. that like, that I moment figured... that moment where Nova Prime shot him right after he gave Prime the you're the bestest pep talk. Like I thought I thought he was dead. So I was like, oh fuck. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that yeah, that would have sucked. Yeah, definitely. Too bad. Like he's like he's like no, dude. Remember, you inspired us all. You ha- you cling to these morals when we're all afraid of them. And then he's like zap. Yeah. And I was like I was like oh crap, he's dead. God damn it, you know. But anyway, he he. And then a couple panels later, he's like, whoa, wait, he's up, he's up. I'm cool, I'm cool. Everything's cool. It's good. It's good. It's it's too bad like Bumblebee didn't get like afforded that same like grace like he gives Megatron the 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 uh, inspirational speech and then he gets blown up. But, uh, I, I was I was content with that. But you That's were fun. yeah you were happy about that. So yeah. I had a really horrible idea by the way. It was just before we got on. This might hurt Derek's feel bads. It hurt my feel bads too because I I just was thinking about this. A lot of uh, conjecture is is that Rodimus is not going to be on the Lost Light because he's not going to be the commander anymore. He's supposed to be Megatron. He's going to be leading the Lost Light. I just realized, what if Roddy is, like, demoted and he's still on the ship, but he's, like, second in command? Yeah. Well, we'll see what happens. Maybe he'll go on he'll go on a drift quest. I think you suggested that. Yeah, uh, I think he might go look for his buddy. Yeah, because drift yeah, is like... He scratches his whole hand out. It's, like, 190... Over zero. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. One guy likes me, and it's fucking Swerve. <laughs> yep. Okay, I'll shut up now. The show is over. Back to work. 
Okay, well, I think I think that's pretty much it then. That was uh, dar- our discussion on Dark Cybertron. Um, I think we're, we 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 we're, we were all pretty much generally positive about it, and I think we all like pretty much overall liked it. And we're, I, I'm sure, as most people are, we're looking forward to like what comes next. And it's definitely it feels as Justin said, like it's definitely a new approach. Like seems to be the overpowering feeling for what comes next. And you know, I like it, it's interesting. And like I, I think I compa- I compared uh like uh I I'd say like James Roberts is kind of like the Grant Morrison to like Simon Furman's Chris Claremont so like you know all these crazy new ideas and whatnot so I I think I I I think he I hope he stays around for a long time and like I, I like. Like I also said, like John Barber, I think he's very competent as well, and he's like the editor on these books. So like he, his continuity, like uh, uh, expertise, is also highly valued. So I, I hope they keep this set up on the Transformers books for a long time to come. And uh, that's uh, that's pretty much all I have to say. So uh, you know, this is our our zero episode of Transformers Tuesdays. Um. Uh, the, ne- the the official first episode should be airing, I think, in like two months. I think, like, more towards when Age of Extinction comes out. But uh, you know, this is, I guess, this is our like preview pilot episode of Transformers Tuesdays. So, yeah, you yeah. said you're gonna try to bust this out and get it out like in a few days, right? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Uh, nice, want it, uh, nice and timey wimey. You know, Shockwave's time drive is gonna like help sneak, me out. Sneak preview. Yeah, exactly. So. uh... This is uh, Mike Thunderwing signing off. This is Derek, Derek WC. Justin. This is Tony, and just to say it again, these aren't just good Transformers comics. They're just good fucking comics. That seems to be the catchphrase when it comes to these. Yep. Peace! I was just thinking, like, Galvatron, the adventurer. <laughs> Galvatron. <laughs> Robot without fear. It's like he, he, like he shoots someone with his cannon and they, like, turn into, like, a snake ghost comes out of them and stuff. Turn your ass into a chopper. <laughs> and I want to see, like, Galvatron with, like, chains all over him and a big sword and a fucking loincloth thing. <laughs> he's got like friggin' like laser beak is like uh, laser beak want a pomegranate. <laughs> <laughs>